Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte, and co-hosting with Russell Bruce today. Hello, everybody. So we have a great show lined up. Um, it's called Overcoming Addictions and Getting the Best Out of Life with Evan. So Evan, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So Evan Tinsman is an entrepreneur, a self-proclaimed girl dad whose mission is to be a purveyor of hope, optimism, and an effort to encourage others how to find their own unique talents and abilities so that they can make an impact on the world. Evan does this by drawing from his own life experiences over the last 20 years. He's built a company from the ground up and then destroyed it with addiction. Only after accepting his reality, he sought the help he needed, and after years of hard work, has rebuilt his business and life once again. From the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, Evan is an example that you can overcome and accomplish anything if you choose. His ultimate goal is to teach, show, and encourage you how to unleash your greatness. Evan, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I, uh, I love telling my story. All right, great. So let's jump right into it. Tell us... Uh, a little bit about your rise and your fall and then back to your rise. Well, it certainly was not the story that I thought was going to be when I was a little kid looking towards my future. And it was, um, it was a surprise to say the least, like so many other people at a young age, I had big goals, dreams, aspirations. I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the time I was in elementary school. It just, it captivated me. So I went through, you know, everything you have to do in life, the education, get out, get your first, second job. And I just did not do well in corporate America. Um, so I, I was doing some things on the side, had some money saved, and I took the leap of faith and got into business. And um, little did I know that from the day I decided to start my business, my life was changing because when you go into business, the, the, um, in my opinion, the greatest benefit is also the most dangerous thing. And that's freedom and flexibility. So, you know, you have the freedom and flexibility off, but you also have to make that up. Um, and if you don't, then that creates that snowball effect. So, um, in the insurance and financial world, there's a lot of lunches and happy hours and dinners and, and events and things like that. And like anybody, I would just have one or two drinks, maybe lunch with a client. Then I would go back to work and then maybe go meet another client for a happy hour, one or two, and then another for dinner. So I never was like, you know, a partier, a heavy drinker, a weekend drinker, didn't drink at home. But you start having four, five, six drinks a day, six, seven days a week over three, four, five years, eventually you cross a line because it starts to chemically change your body and you don't realize it's happening until you cross that line. Unfortunately, you don't know where that line is until you cross it. And once you cross it, you can't come back on your own. And through some, I became a stress drinker, you know, business. And, you know, there's always the, the financial issues and client issues and um, a few bad business dealings really enhanced that. And, um, I went from casually drinking, you know, four or five, six a day to next thing I know, I found myself drinking between a fifth and a fifth and a half a day functioning until the last 18, 24 months. And I couldn't even function. And that's when my world started falling apart. So um, Evan started. Evan, yeah. So what, yes. what time frame are we looking here? What age were you? Um, when I, let me go backwards. I, 2008 is when I left corporate America um, and I would say my problem started about 2000, somewhere between 2010, 2011. And I got really bad in like 
I would say 2015 was the point where it started taking control of my life and I started damaging relationships, client, personal, all of that kind of stuff. And that started having the adverse effect on me financially. My business started going downhill. And then it was on August 27th um, of 2017 that I, I hit my rock bottom and just felt that I had no options. And that that was my lowest low. So August 27, 2017. So I'm coming up on three years. So what do you feel was that breaking point? When did you know that you have reached the lowest of lows and that you needed help? When I got to the point that I could no longer um, rob Peter to pay Paul, that I had friends um, walking away from me. I had family disgusted with me. Um, I had clients leaving me because I couldn't give them the attention that they wanted. And um, I didn't care. Wow. And everybody would tell you, well, don't do it for, you know, you need to stop for your health. You need to stop for your kids. You need to stop for all this other stuff. I mean, I love my daughters more than life itself. Any, I would assume most parents do. And um, it's not a choice. Like I didn't continue because I wanted to destroy those things. Like I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? Today's the day that I think I want to destroy my life. Like it just doesn't happen that way. And then I think you go through that denial and you look around and you're like, this can't be happening. I'm not the kind of person that this happens to. Like I had a good childhood. I was, you know, people knew me. I played sports. I did the, you know, it just, from the outside, I was the guy that nobody would have ever thought it would have happened to. So for me, for me to have to acknowledge it means I would have to be public about it. And I would have to admit my flaws and admit that I made mistakes and admit that I made bad decisions. And I don't believe that people's biggest fear is failure. I believe people's biggest fear is failing in front of other mm-hmm. people. And as a prideful person with, you know, somewhat of an ego, not in a bad way, but, um, that means I would have to put all of that aside and, and, um, be prepared for any backlash that would come with it. Mm. So Evan, um, how you said, you mentioned you didn't realize that, you know, your freedom really started when you got out of corporate America. Um, so take us a little bit down that road. Um, at what point did you start to lean more on the alcohol? Um, and learn and getting all this freedom. Like, can you take us down that part since that was kind of where the change started? I can tell you that I remember the exact day it changed for me. And, um, well, here I'll, I'll just, for anybody, I really am trying to put this out there for anybody who's trying to figure out who might be in that situation that, you know, just because you're not partying and passing out, you know, doesn't mean you don't have an addiction. I was always a gin and tonic drinker. So if I wanted to go, I had to go out because that required gin, tonic, ice, lime. So you had to go out and do it. So you have one or two and you leave. And I, um, I used to watch a TV series and, Um, I really connected with this one character. And in this series, they all had like bar carts in their office. And this one character drank whiskey all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a whiskey drinker. And one day I'm going to the post office and for some reason from my office and um, I went past a state store and I'm like, you know what? Let me try that just to see. So I go in, buy a bottle, go back to my office, put a little bit in my coffee cup. And I'm like, ah, I didn't really care for that. So I, I, I put it aside and just went about my day. The next morning I came in and I remember I was on vacation one time and I saw a guy put a little bit of coffee or a little whiskey into his coffee. So I'm like, oh, what's that taste like? So I put a little whiskey in my coffee. Mm-hmm. And then next thing I know, by lunchtime, I stopped putting coffee in my whiskey, if that yeah. makes sense. So then I'm like, hey, you know what? This is actually better because now I don't have to go out. I can just keep it here. So it's just a little, a little nip, a little, you know, save time, save money. Well, next thing you know, you're pouring a little bit into a cup and a true drink is only an ounce, ounce and a half, whatever. And that doesn't look like much. So you just start pouring more and more. And that is, that is the day my life changed because that hooked me and I just went Mm. from there. 
but that that's what got me. Do you feel like um, it was just a way for you to numb yourself? Um, Absolutely. Okay. And from what? A lot of internal um, voids, insecurities that I think just from over um, life that maybe I was lacking. And um, I'm not going to single anybody out, but I know um, a lot of people from maybe traumatic things that happen or struggles they've had in childhood or past relationships, anything like that. And rather than just looking to the inside to address what those um, demons might be, we, we look to, to numb them, to get that temporary relief, that, that dopamine fix. Um, and then you start getting that and you realize that you need more and more and more and more. Um, you know, some people work all week, Monday through Thursday, and then they wake up and say, oh, TGIF. And then they have one or two. And it's that feeling you get that first sip of like, oh, it's the weekend. Um, well, you get to the point that that's not enough. Then you need that every day. Then you need that all day. Mm. But in hindsight, like you can't, you can't fill an internal void with an external substance. And that's really where it takes hold of you. And that's important because it could be alcohol, it could be pornography, it could be shopping, it could be anything, right? Where you're using external things to fill an internal void. Right. Um, I just had something very interesting happen to me last week, as a matter of fact, with, uh, you know, we're all stuck in our houses, quarantine and all of that, right? And, um, you know, like anybody, and, and I take a mild antidepressant, like I'm an open book about this. And um, I, I did, I went through 21 months of medication. We could talk about that. I still see a weekly counselor, do meditation and go to the gym. And I've read a book a week for two and a half years. And, and then um, just about six months ago, I realized there's a little something, something missing and talked to my therapist. And she's like, well, maybe you should just go get an evaluation. And I think that was the last piece that was missing. So I just take a real slight antidepressant and I, I feel phenomenal. I've never felt better, healthier, stronger. And, um, but last week, um, you know, there's a difference between an urge and a craving. Mm -hmm. You might see something, you might, you might see something, you know, someone's cooking and be like, wow, that looks really good. And like, you get a craving for that, or, you know, you have it on Friday and the following Tuesday, you get a craving, like, oh, I'd like to have that. And urge is the natural response. Like I was a stress drinker. And to this day, if I get stressed out sitting at my desk, my body still naturally turns to go get it. Um, but I go get a coffee or I go for a walk or make a tea or, you know, just mm -hmm. something. So those natural tendencies are there. If you have those behaviors, you're always going to have those tendencies and behaviors. So last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago, um, I was stressed out issues, clients, people, my clients going out of business, which in turn affects my business. And, um, I'm very strict with a clean diet and Wednesday night, I ate a bunch of carbs and it tasted really good. Who doesn't love carbs, right? And then and then Thursday, my diet was bad. Friday, it was bad. And it dawned on me, I'm going for that mm -hmm. dopamine fix. It was making me feel good. But ultimately, I was feeling bad physically because I wasn't working out. I was feeling heavy, mm -hmm. you know. So to break that thought process, I did a um, – from Friday night to Sunday night, I did a 48-hour fast – um, to cleanse my body, but also to break my thought process. And I tied it to spiritual. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. So I tied it to a sacrifice also to something bigger than myself, but I had to do something drastic to get myself back on track. But now I'm grateful that I have the ability to identify those things when they happen, but also to think through, okay, what do you need to do to control? Yeah. And so do you feel like, um, just, do you feel like you're, are you always going to have those tendencies? Like, I guess my question is, would you consider yourself still an alcoholic or would you say? No, I don't like the term okay. alcoholic. I, I mean, I guess, I guess medically speaking, yes, I don't, I do not embrace the term recovering alcoholic. I call myself, I was an alcoholic who drank too much and now I chose okay. not to. I like that too. Cause I think words have a lot of power. And if we keep, you know, speaking, I'm a recovering, whatever, then that kind of keeps it in our story. Correct. You know, last, what happened to me, though, with those carbs did reinforce one thing to me. I can never take the chance to see if I'm one of those people that could have mm. just one. 
Like, like I've questioned after the last two and a half years as I've gotten better, better, healthier, healthier, thinking like, I wonder if I could. Well, that reinforced that I couldn't. Mm. And um, I'll tell you, you want to know what the worst part about it is now? The absolute thing that drives me crazy. Like, it's hard for me to accept. It's really hard for me to deal with. I don't miss drinking. I don't miss the way it made me feel. I don't miss the way it made me act or talk or embarrass myself or anything like that. I miss the little things. I miss being able to have a little toast of champagne on New Year's. I miss walking onto the beach and having that first beer with a piece of fruit in it, you know? Um, it, going to a Sunday dinner and not being able to have the taste of somebody's homemade wine, which is big, you know, here in my town. And so it kind of, it hits me hard because it makes me, it makes me think to myself like, Evan, you screwed up so bad and had so little self-control that you ruined it for the rest of your life that you can't even do these little simple things. So it, it, that, that hurts more than anything. It's just a reminder of my failure. And I have to process yeah, that. I get yes. that. Hey, Evan, you like myself, a yeah. sports fan, and we see so many of these young athletes and entertainers out there that, you know, go from zero to 60 real fast, meaning like coming out of college, signing a multi-million dollar deal. And, you know, they never really had to, you know, think about like all the demons and everything. Like they didn't have enough time to process what they were getting ready to get into and how to defend. Like, for example, I was watching, you know, a couple episodes of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. And even he was challenged, like, uh, you know, going into the hotel room with all the older teammates and they're all doing lines of coke and weed and sex with like strange women, things of that nature. And he just turned around and walked out the room, you know, didn't want to participate. But you have so many of them, like the Daryl Strawberries, et cetera, that they got Mm -hmm. caught up in it and ended up pretty much losing everything. And you know, even though, you know, some of them have recovered, their health is still suffering as a result. What what advice could Correct. you give to some of these young athletes or aspiring young athletes and entertainers? Some of the things that they really need to think about, you know, before they come into the money and, you know, get tested by these demons, because they're definitely going to get tested. And where freedom is just there. Like you said, Evan, it's exactly. their access to everything anytime you want it. I would say before they did anything that they should sit down, close their eyes and think back as far as they can to when they first started doing what they're doing, athlete or entertainer, and then try to figure out why they were so obsessed over it. Some people have that natural talent and ability and it just comes out. Other people like myself and so many others obsess over things to get external gratification because of internal voids. And they just, they establish their self-worth based on accolades and awards and recognition. That's all dopamine. That's the equivalent of a substance because they may be lacking something internal. Maybe they weren't raised properly. Maybe they came from poverty. Maybe that was their only escape from a, you know, a, um, a hostile home life or an abusive childhood or, or anything like that, where it's an escape. And then that escape uh, becomes a false reality because they're not dealing with the internal demons or the internal struggles or the internal voids. But as you start getting that success and the accolades and see, that was me, I would, mine was money, titles, promotions, awards, and that temporarily makes you feel good. But just because 20 years goes by for something, time doesn't, time does not heal all things. Time just delays it and it builds up like a bomb. So I think a lot, my opinion that I think a large majority of these young kids, uh, young adults coming out and walking into, uh, you know, coming into a lot of money doesn't make you anything different from who you are. It just amplifies who you are. So I would say go back and figure out why you're doing it truly. But that requires an honest conversation with yourself. Wow. That's good. And if you're, if you're, if you're coming from a healthy point, go for it. If you have one single thought of negativity, then I would say get some counseling first because your your life's about to become a whirlwind and you're not going to be mature enough mentally to process that. Because those of us that look to outside sources 
um, or things to fill voids do not have the maturity to handle such a drastic life change. Good stuff. So you, you mentioned, you know, your, your spiritual foundation as well as your love for your daughters. What would you attribute yes. to, you know, that one thing or two things that you focused in on, you know, that gave you the strength to, to recover and to continue to move forward? I got to a point where I felt that I had no options. I got to a very dark place um, that I really don't talk about. Um, And I truly turned to God at that point and just said that. um, And here's the thing. I'm not one of those people that has a a definite point in life where I found God or termite. Like I was raised in the church. I was raised in Sunday school and, you know, Bible schools and youth groups. Like I know my scripture. So it's like, that that was hard too because I knew right from wrong, moral, immoral. You know, I, I I understood all that, and then the more you choose to ignore that, well, then you start to get the guilt factor into your addiction too. So it it it, it feeds it. But when I realized that I could no longer control it, I could no longer mask it. No more of like, oh, I got this, or I'll do this tomorrow. I literally dropped my hands to the side. I looked up and said, you know, I I, I need help. I need you to take this for me. And um. I had a feeling, you know, like I had a warm feeling and I uttered the words out loud. I said, okay, I'm Mm. listening. And it was on that day that I, you know, I just admitted, like, I have a problem. I need help. And it was hard, but it just, when you, I just got to the point that I realized I'm out of options. There's nothing else I can do. And I either have to throw my hands in the air and quit, or I just, I got to suck it up and do what I got to do. So Evan, um, you talked a little bit about the key to your recovery, the medication. Um, Walk us a little bit through that um, and what worked for you and what didn't work for you. Well, during that, during my process, I would say within um, maybe six to 10 months, give or take prior to me hitting that point, I kind of knew I had a problem, but didn't fully admit it. So I, I tried, you know, a friend of mine tried to get me to go to like some meetings. I didn't really do. I mean, I would drink before I went and I'd stop and drink after I left. Um, I, um, I tried to get hypnotized. I was so far gone. That wouldn't work. Um, I even went to some counselors independently and, you know, I'm a lifelong sales guy. I'm pretty good at reading people and, and handling conversations and basically controlling a conversation. Um, I was going to these therapists. I just wasn't ready to be there. And I was totally manipulating it. I was lying to them, which is lying to myself. And it was just wasted time. And then um, once I got to that point to make that decision, um, I called a friend of mine who actually works in drug and alcohol. And what's funny is when I called her, she started laughing. She goes, I was wondering when you were going to call me. I went that bad. She's like, Evan, I've been watching you for a year and a half go downhill. She's like, but it's not my place to impose. So she turned me on to a local, um, a local counselor. Um, and a company that uh, is mobile and they administer this drug and I researched it and I got monthly shots. It's called Vivitrol and people can look it up and research it. It's all over. It's all over the country. It's covered by insurance. Um, and um, that's how I know the date. It was August 28th, 2017. I went, did a consult. They gave me um, a 14 day pill form to make sure I wasn't mm-hmm. allergic to it. And I remember they said um, that it was on a Monday and my last drink was on the Saturday before. So I, I kind of was trying. So I'd gone a couple of days without. And I remember them saying, look, you need to go five days with no alcohol in your system to totally clear it out before you start taking this drug, so, which would have been that Thursday of that week. And I'm like, OK, that's I got three days. And when I walked out with that script in my hand, I hit an absolute panic. Mm. I drove to the state store, bought a fifth of a uh, fifth of vodka, actually came back to my office. I drank the whole fifth, threw the bottle away and said, now you're done, which was stupid, but I did it. So instead of waiting five days, I only waited three days and I still got on the, on the pill on that day. So August 28th was the last day that I took it, it was a Monday. And then I started taking the pill three days later, did that. And it was September 11, 9, 11, uh, 2017. I got my first mm-hmm. shot and then I got it. Normal protocols do it for, do it for a year. Um, but my 12th shot actually put me into my new deductible period for my insurance. So I had to pay it anyways. So I'm like, well, I might as well just ride it out and have the extra protection. So I did it for 21 months, never touched a drink since 
like never touched one after that. That was it. Never a few times I've struggled, but I've never been tempted. That's, that's, and and what about the other support, emotional support during this time? Um, Has that been helpful for you? Have you had that? Um, Because we know, like you said, it's, it's definitely realizing those voids, figuring that out. Have you had the emotional support and, um, not not as much as one would think and it's not because people don't care i I mean i have a few 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 constants in my life um what i would like people to be aware of if they have anybody close to them that is going you know coming out of addiction or might be through their process but a year two three years out just because we look healthy and normal on the outside doesn't mean we're completely healed on the inside. So I lost, I mean, I got really, I mean, I was always fit and I mean, I'm tall, but um, in a year, I mean, my goal was to lose, I lost 50 pounds in a year. And um, so going to the gym every day, meditating every day. And people used to say to me like, Oh, it's so good to have you back. And that would drive me crazy because I would say, I'm not back. I'm new. I am reinventing, redeveloping, you know, creating a new Evan the way I want to be moving forward. That old Evan, I had to leave him in the past. So people would say, oh, it's so good to have you back. I'm not back. I'm better. I'm new. I'm I'm progressing. But, you know, they look at me now and say, oh, wow, you look great. You're doing this. You're doing that. And they think like you're cured. Well, you still have those voids and they don't know it. So they can't. It's hard for them to sympathize and understand because they just they can't see it. What are some of your current issues or voids that you're trying to um, work at? Because we're all working every day. We're a work in progress. I always call it better and better version. And it's okay to change the version of yourself anytime you want to. Like, I think that's totally okay. What are some of the things you are working on right now? I have... I think as a, I don't know, I should call myself a former athlete just because of age, but um, your athletic abilities may dwindle as you get older, but if that's in your DNA, the competitiveness never goes away. That striving to always Mm. be better by, you know, to always compare yourself against Mm. other people. What I struggle with right now is when I look around at my friends and my peers and people that I may have used to work with that I used to put up better numbers and I would, you know, just outperform them, but they're in a much better place in life where I see that they have um, the things that I once had or want. And I realize like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be 45 years old and I'm literally building all over again. I'm, I'm on my desk right now. I have it framed. I'm looking at it. It's a little thing. It says, it's a quote from the, the TV series that led me down a bad path. It says, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is somebody mm. else getting it. Um, so, I, you know, some people could take that one way. I take it as like motivating. Um, so keeping your head down, doing what you have to do each and every day, accepting the fact that you made the mistake and you're not where you want to be, not because of him, her, or the other thing, but because of yourself and your own decisions. And at that point, it's about figuring out, A, what do you want? B, identifying what do you have to do to get there? Specific action stack, steps. And then C, the most important one is are you willing to do those consistently day in, day out, even when you don't feel like it? So I've created a very, very strict regiment routine. I get up between 3.30 and 4 every morning, 20 to 30 minutes on the floor in the dark. I meditate, I pray, I stretch. Then I, I write out my day. I journal every morning, every night I journal. Um, and then um, I'll have something to eat. And then I, I, go, I go run a 5K every morning. I'm dressed and ready to go by seven, seven thirty. So I have three to four hours just into myself to get myself in a mental state of mind to be able to handle whatever comes at me. That that's just me. And then at the end of the day, I go run another two miles and then I do a brain dump and journal. And I, I and, and you know, I, if I don't do it, I'm off. Like if I don't do my routine. So I know that that's still that addictive pattern, but it's a healthy one. Cause if I, if I don't get my morning down, my whole day's off. Mm. So that, that's a struggle that I have, like just rolling with it, realizing there are some things that you just can't control and not letting it affect you. 
um, that's my biggest struggle right now. So I personally want to applaud you. Uh, I'm your Facebook friend. So I actually got a chance to see your transformation. I seen the, the big weight loss. I seen you in the gym. I seen the books that you were reading. I seen the uh, spiritual depth, you know, that you were reaching. So I, I personally witnessed it from afar and I could tell that you, your posts went from everyday battling people on politics to turning around now, you know, <laughs> you're this motivational speaker and constantly posting positive messages of hope and inspiration. And, uh, you know, that vibes with me. So I consider you one of my Vibe Tribe members <laughs> that we have energy. I appreciate that. Um, and you, you just, my next question was going to be, what's your day-to-day like during COVID? Because I'm sure this is, a very stressful time. So you just answered that question. And um, one, I just want to say that I'm proud of you. I'm rooting for you. And I appreciate and I that see so some much. of the new things that you're doing. So let's turn the corner. Now that you're back to that happy space, what are some of the new things that you're doing? Cause yeah. you've, you've actually shed some light on some things trying to help me with my business. Yeah, so so it's um, I've struggled for a while figuring out um, how could I tie my personal struggle into a business world because you know I'm an entrepreneur through and through. I love building businesses. Um, I love helping other people build businesses, and I believe that the world reciprocates. So the best way for you to get what you want is to help somebody else get what they want first. That's my opinion. Um, and and I, I I've always had people reach out to me like, what do you think? How should I? What could I? And, and I've kind of been split. Like, you know, I got this personal story that I, I want to, I want to help people um, overcome their personal struggles and addictions and things of that nature. But on the flip side from the entrepreneur, well, that's what I love doing. And it dawned on me like right now in this situation, a lot of people, a lot of businesses are failing going out. They've been, but they've been put into this position through no fault of their own. I was which they could be in their lowest of low right now. Well, I was in my lowest of low, but that was self-inflicted, but the same principles apply on moving forward. So somebody may have lost their job. They may have lost their business. Their business might be in a tank and they might feel hopeless and they have no options and, you know, anything like that. And, and that could be enough to drive somebody towards, you know, substance or anything that could become a destructive habit or behavior or addiction. But the, the same premise, the same things that I did are the same things that they can do. You know, first take that inventory. Where am I? What do I have? Humans, we don't we don't suffer because we lack resources. We suffer because we lack resourcefulness, doing and making the most with what we currently have and then building from there. So I see that as a business opportunity for me to go out and reach out to people and say, look, I've been there. I've destroyed it through my own fault. You can turn this around. You can build this. And there are things to embrace to do it. And while you're in quarantine, I've really put a push on the social media aspect of it. And I've spent, since I got sober, I've spent three to five hours a day for almost three years learning, mastering, understand all the platforms, how they work, where to go, how to go, um, how to do creation, how to write copy, how to strategically place, you know, all of that stuff. So I'm reaching out to local businesses and, you know, I'm helping them. I'm giving away free information. I'm doing stuff, making stuff, but also, being a sales guy and understanding the social media, I'm going to local business saying, look, you're home, but you have a business. And when this is over, you want to hit the ground running. And this is in the now, but even when we come out of this, it can help people take their businesses to the next level. Never in history have we had the opportunity to get in so in front of so many people in so many places on such a big scale for free. But there's a very strategic and methodical way that you have to use social media and the various platforms to do it. So that has turned this downside has actually turned into a brand new business. And it's, it's the response is overwhelming because the people in our demographic, they know it's the way of the future, but they don't have two years to learn it. And if they go out to the big agencies, they can't afford it. Yeah. I was, uh, I was listening to Darren Hardy one day and he, yeah, he mentioned that, you know, a lot of people felt that when the dinosaurs were killed off and went extinct, that it was a bad thing. But really, for the smaller creatures on Earth, you know, it actually transferred the keys of the kingdom over to them. So, 
now today mm-hmm. we see not only are a lot of small businesses being affected by this whole COVID pandemic, but some of the larger corporations are falling for different reasons. You see a lot of the C- CEOs bailing out. You know, there's some underlying things that right. are going on. But when this is all over, I think we're going to see a totally different world where things are going to open up even more. And usually through all the recessions and turmoil in life and in the world, there's always an opportunity. And I think people who remain positive instead of, you know, being caught up in fear at this moment in time, if they're really being diligent, they should be looking for the opportunities, you know. Right. You know, I just I just read something and it just struck me. Um, It it said you should spend zero percent of your time dwelling on the past. You should spend 85 percent of your time living in the present moment and only 15 percent of your time thinking about the future. And that really resonated with me because my my what way I've explained that to people is, you know, past, present and future. The past is gone. You can't change it. So any minute you waste dwelling on the past, you're taking away your present moment that you could be bettering yourself or making a new memory. And so don't waste this moment on a past moment. And on the flip side, people will get caught up daydreaming and thinking about, oh, one day I'm going to, you know, let's do and all of that. And every moment you waste dreaming about the future, well, tomorrow may not come. So why waste this moment now on a moment that might not you know, might, you might never see it. So I truly, and, and, and even from a business standpoint, it fits into, you know, sober living. It truly is one day at a time. And I realized that I lost and wasted so much time that I made a vow that I will not waste time. I mean, I sleep three to four hours a night. I I can't stand sleep because I feel like it's a waste of life. I am so grateful each and every day that I have the opportunity to do it right and to do it again. And maybe yesterday wasn't good, but I just say to myself, you know what, make today better than yesterday, you know? And that's what I ask God, just make me, help me become a better person today than I was yesterday. And before I even like get up in the morning, the, um, I try, I just, I randomly will pick five things to just express gratitude. I try to start every day with Mm -hmm. gratitude, even in the midst of chaos, you know, we all have something to be grateful for. And when I open my eyes, I literally say, thank you for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to do it right. Thank you for my sobriety. Thank you for my children. Just, it's not even in depth and it just starts the mindset for the day. Starting your day with gratitude instead of, oh, I don't want to go to work or I can't believe this. The weather stinks. I can't go outside. No, you know what? I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. So why complain? Um, The present moment is really all we truly have. And a lot of times, um, if you're too worried about the past, it brings on depression. And if you're too worried about the future, it brings on anxiety. So the true present moment at this present moment is all we ever have. And it really dictates what your future is going to be. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. And, um, you know, I, I've done when I, when I first started, um, a lot of the books and videos I read were literally the motivational don't jump. I always joke and say, you know, for what's interesting is when I like Russ, what you said about me with politics and yeah. And you know what? It's, I don't even fight or it's just a hot, like some people love sports. Well, my hobby was politics. I love the history of the country and the process and the, you know, it's more about that, not about the I'm right. You're wrong. I respect anybody's opinion and position. And, um, but I used to do that and I would argue and I would get drawn in. And then I just realized like, you know what? I was a stress drinker. Like this isn't healthy. This Mm -hmm. is causing me stress. And everything was negative. It was during the last election. And that's when I did my first video. I got so tired of it. I turned my camera on. I flipped it around and I just started talking with no agenda, no reason. And I'm like, look, I'm tired of it. I got to do something positive. And that was my first first post. And I got overwhelming response. But I was going through this phase of like, all right, I got to retrain my mind. And and I went to when I gave up politics, I went to YouTube. I'm like, well, what can I listen to? I literally did what everybody else does. I typed in Tony Robbins, right? So for like two weeks, I'm listening to Tony Robbins. Don't jump as I call it. Well, then he made mention of a guy. Oh, who's that guy? So then I look him up. Oh, that guy has a book. So then I got his book and watched his videos. And then he mentioned somebody else and I just kept going and going and going. And that's how I've come across all these people and their books and content. And I've pieced it all together and try to take something from everybody. But yeah, it, um, 
that's just really the way it's about. But I spent a lot of time um, about six months ago, I spent probably two or three months really reading about how the mind works. So I went from, from don't jump to motivational, to the social media and business. Then I got into the psychological, like I'm, I really got interested in how the brain works, why it works, how addiction. So I, I kind of wanted to dig deeper into that. And um, no, I didn't no. mean to digress there, but you had said something, you had said something about um, um, the anxiety and all of that, that I came to realize that there is a significant difference between a feeling and an emotion. It is. And you have, you have to learn how to identify them because um, you can change your emotion. You can't control your feelings. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah, so. And um, an emotion can become a disposition. So you are waking right. up and you're angry and you're staying in that emotion of anger. That becomes your disposition every day angry right your feelings can change i mean i could be crying right now i'd be laughing you know in the next five minutes but some people have a disposition and that disposition that one emotion is sort of like your disposition you stay in that same emotion day in day out you know because it's it's all about energy and emotion is energy in motion motion. exactly energy cannot be created nor destroyed it just moves and changes shape and form like we have right. to control our energy on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But go But it's like like you, you cannot be happy and sad at the same time. And I tell people if you're in a bad mood, force yourself to smile. You'll feel your your you will feel your mood change if you even if you just force a smile, like you your body is self-programming. Yeah. You know, change change the way you think and you change your life. You change the music you listen to, you change. Like yeah, it, your thoughts have a lot to do with exactly. it. Exactly. Well. Like, for example, you just mentioned how you went from Tony Robbins to the next guy, and you mentioned the brain. So I'm sure you're listening to Joe Dispenza. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I just read become becoming supernatural. Exactly. That was that was a tough exactly. one to get through. So I've done the same thing, and and Janie, her and I, we exchange YouTube videos every day. And the thing is, it's it's almost like the matrix, you know, you have your choice of the red or the green pill, you know, but it's like, if you choose to see how deep the rabbit hole goes, it like opens you up to a whole new world, you know, and then you learn that you are actually a co-creator that you're actually tied into the source of everything, you know, and that's where your self-confidence comes from. That's where fear dissipates and love creeps in. And you become unstoppable. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, you let go or you surrender to the need of any external validation because everything at this point is internalized that I can, con- I can only control myself no matter what is on the outside of me. I can't control my children. I can't control my spouse. I can't control my coworkers. I am only in control of me because we honestly create our own reality um and like we normally say you you it's a vibration that you put out to the world so if i'm vibrating on positive things and i'm happy and i'm encouraging and i'm giving that out that's what i'm going to get back from the world but if i'm giving the opposite out negativity i'm going to get that same vibration back so it's a i like to say it's a vibrational Um, thing that you're putting out to the world just like this podcast we want to put out good things to the world um so that we can help people and in turn we want to get good things back from it even if it's just that internal feeling of of just you know whatever it is that makes us because typically we feel good when we're helping others exactly it, you know, it took me a long time to realize that I've always been an empath, so to speak. I've always had great compassion for people. It's interesting because when I would see somebody that has a problem, I always want to take it on and try to solve it for themselves or for yeah. them. Right. Um, you know, whether it's someone old, someone young, someone unhealthy, someone struggling, whatever it is, like I immediately want to come in. I've always yeah. been that way, but I've always been extremely judgmental on people that I know have the talent, skills and abilities and they just don't use them. And um, 
And then I look back that there was a period of my life where I did have the talent, skills, and abilities, and I wasn't using them either. So that was like a reality yeah. check for me. You know, so there's a yeah, little struggle. What there. I've learned about being an empath, because I am one as well, is that we're very sensitive to the energies of other people. You, you feel their energy. Right. So if you're in your happy mode and someone comes in and they're very frustrated, you take on that energy. But I've learned how to not do that. Like, um, because the point. Very dangerous. Yeah, the point is to raise them up to your higher vibration and not allow them to lower you to their lower vibration. So emotions such as like yes. shame, guilt, anger, those are low vibrations. But love, compassion, peace, joy, enlightenment, those are high vibrations. And so a lot of times people are in those lower vibrations for whatever reason. You know, they haven't quite understood how to to handle their emotions and not let outside sources dictate that. But the, as an empath, um, my, the best thing I've ever learned to do was to help others rise up instead of allowing them to bring me down. If that makes sense to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, what do they say that, you, you know, you're the sum of the five closest people in your life and, what I came to realize through my journey and it's harsh. And I tell people sometimes, sometimes you have to cut those people, some of those people out. Um, doesn't mean permanently, but maybe they're just, you know, they're not on your first team. They got to be moved to the yeah. second team. Well, you can love them from a distance. I always say, you know, I, we can do every, we can do and say anything in love. So I can love you from a distance right. and uh, you know, I just, and sometimes love is a tough love where I love myself a more. I can't keep allowing you to do this to me. So I have to do what's best for me because I love myself, you know. I, I've, I've had more than one person tell me when I was drinking, um, you know, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Yeah, wow. that's fair. Yeah, that's and I, I had people pull, I mean, I had people pull away from me. So I was on that side of it. I was on that getting cut off side of it. So, um, but you know, you can't give away what you don't have. And I think I was doing it for the wrong reasons in the past. I was trying to fix other people's problems to make myself mm -hmm. feel better. Now I do find myself saying no more, but I try to help them find a solution on their own, you know, um, or to, to get creative or to look, you know, to their own resources, maybe of what they can do or just point them in the right direction. But, you know, I, I have things I need to do. I have business I'm trying to build. I have clients that need service and I don't have the time that I used to give to people. I mean, I didn't have it then either, but by trying to solve their problems, I was only enhancing mine because I wasn't doing the things I needed to do in my life. So it, it just, you have to make sure that you are in the best position you can be in before you start trying to help other people. It doesn't mean, like you said, doesn't mean you can't be, you know, love them, offer support, do some things and give away in order to get and without agenda. Um, but like you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. You can't help somebody else get healthy until you're healthy. You can't help somebody else succeed in business till you succeed in business. So that, I mean, that really boils down to what I'm trying to do for people like fix yourself understand what you can do and then you can move forward like I um there's a reason I use the word impact on everything um because you told me to pick a book and that actually ties into that and my little catchy phrase that I use on everything it's kind of quirky but people remember it is um unleash your greatness I have a wristband on right now my favorite color is orange so everything I do is orange I have a wristband on that I wear every day when I look down, it says unleash your greatness. And it just reminds, and that's in anything yeah. you do, you know, it's in your personal life. It's, it's with your family life. It's, it's in your spiritual life. It's in, you know, do it to the best of your ability. Uh, Russell, I don't know. I don't, you may too. I love um, David Goggins. Yeah. Um, it, I, little, little vocal, but the um, when I run, I listen. Cause it's like, it just pushes me when I'm not feeling good. 
great saying or a great thing that I heard where he says that, you know, most people only operate at about 40% of their abilities. And the mind is a defense mechanism. The body always has more to give, but the mind to protect you, like yeah, stops yeah. you. Well, I think that applies. I think that really applies in everyday life and people that might be struggling with jobs and business, you know, um, people tend to only work to their quota, not their potential. And they get in that comfort zone. You might be in that business, that job structure of like, here's your structure, here's your, your work hours, here's the days, here's your goals, this is what you need to hit. And if you hit it, this is mm -hmm. what you get paid. And then when you get that, wow, I'm good. And you might finish top out of five people. So you're thinking I'm the best, I'm the best. But what would happen if you stepped over that comfort, you know, out of that comfort zone? And that is something that I did. In this is one of those I had to be honest with myself. I was always on the top of whatever I did. But you get to that point where you're good and then you back off. It's like the athlete that knows you're going to win. So you go at 80%. At 100%, you would just widen your margin. But like, yeah, I don't have to do that. So from like my standpoint, I realized I always went and thought I was the best because the numbers said I was the best, but I was never performing at my best. And if I would have, I would have been a lot further in life. So now I feel like, you know what? No, you work to your potential, not your quota. And I've instilled that into my daughters and my, my one's a competitive swimmer. She's phenomenal. And I always said, I do not care if you come in dead last in every race, so long as I know you gave 100% of your effort. I will be more upset if you come in first and I can tell you left yeah. something on the table. They would feel so much better themselves doing it that way as well. And, and that's where, that is how we collectively as people, society, businesses, jobs, employees, friends, that's how we get through this right now. Everybody in every area of their life needs to live to their potential and not their quota because, you know, society, I fear addiction um, in this environment. I fear relapse. I know that that's actually happening. I fear, you know, suicide attempts. Like I, that's kind of where my mind goes with this. So, you know, reaching out to people that maybe you haven't talked to, you know, doing things like this and maybe sharing a message with somebody. That's why I put out the content that I do hoping you know, if I know that I've helped save one person, just one person with everything I'm doing in my life, I'll consider it to be a success. But I think like what you're doing is fantastic. Um, I'm trying to, you know, do some different things on my end. Everybody has something to offer. Everybody has a story Hi. to tell. Everybody has something inside of them that can help Hi. somebody. Very true. Hey, so in, in summing it up, just listening to a, a lot of things that you've blessed us with today. This Rumi quote is sticking in my head, so I must share it. Rumi says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Yeah. That's love it. That, Absolutely yeah. love it. Um, Evan, if there is one book that you can recommend to our listeners that... I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> awesome. That... <laughs> you know, how it was a big impact on you or you feel is just something that everyone should read? What is it? So it was very difficult. And I put a lot of thought because uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I've probably read 150 books and some were very simple all the way up to the most difficult. And, you know, it's actually funny because like Steve Harvey says, if you could say, you <laughs> read the Bible, everything you need to know is in Proverbs, right? <laughs> Um, but from a book standpoint, I'll give you a quick reason why is I've become friends, um, with a social media guy out of, out of, um, Toronto and his name is Evan Carmichael and I've made videos on it. He's got a huge YouTube channel, four best-selling books. And when I first got sober, his, I stumbled on him on YouTube and his content really helped me get my process going. Cause he highlights a lot of other people kind of mashup mashups, if you will. And his book that I'm going to recommend, because it's very, very effect, effect, effective, and it's an easy read. And it's, there's steps in it that you can start to, um, you can start today to change your life to better, whether it's personal, business, whatever. And it is called Your One Word by Evan Carmichael. And it says the powerful secret to creating a business or life, business and life that matters. And the reason I use impact on everything I do, the purpose of this book is to help you break yourself down to your mm -hmm. core. Like 
to identify the common themes in your life. Why do you, why do you watch the movies you do? Why do you listen to the music you do? Why do you do the charities you do? Why do you talk to the people you do? And if you keep breaking that process down, you're going to figure out what makes you tick at your core to find your true value. Like what is your core belief? And I realized, and that should be the center of everything that you do in life. And I realized, and I was going through the written exercises that he asked. And it's like, well, I want to make a positive impact on the world. And I want to impact others. And and I realized my one word is impact. His is belief. He believes that everybody has superhuman talents and everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's just he and mine is impact. So everything I do, I have three tenets of it. Every day I say, um, enjoy life, live intentionally, help somebody else today. So I can do all three of those by making an impact in everything that I do and tie it all back to that. So your one word by Evan Carmichael truly changed my life by helping me find my core value of impact. And that's why I put hashtag impact, impact. I put it on everything with my Unleash Your Greatness. Mm, like that. So that's had the most effect on me after I got through the medical part to truly reframe my mind, to give me something to focus on and to move forward. And, and every time I feel myself slipping, I look down at my wrist. I'm like, you know what? You're not making an wow. impact today. Change. Yeah. You're only one decision away from a totally different life. It's the, and it, and just to get down to so. one word for your complete meaning of being on this earth. So that's, that's great. And, um, at yeah. the time of this podcast, what would you say is the greatest matter of your heart right now? In this present moment, because that's what we're talking about. What is the greatest matter of your heart? The greatest matter of my heart is for one day, I document everything, like even my YouTube and stuff. I want one day for my children, when they get old enough to look back and, and recall things, to be able to say, wow, I can't believe our father was able to do that and be present and love us and help us. He wasn't perfect, but he didn't quit. And maybe one day my grandchildren could see that content and be like, wow, maybe, maybe I set up a great legacy and one day they'll see the struggles I went through for that legacy mm-hmm. to happen. So I guess mine is is ultimately leaving a legacy to my daughters that, you know, working hard can go a long way, being compassionate, loving, you know, not judging people. But uh, so I would say, yeah, making sure my daughters grow up to be, yeah, just, just to be loving, compassionate, hardworking girls. That, that's probably my biggest Good focus. stuff. Yeah. Evan. So tell the, tell the listeners out there, how can they reach you, uh, to follow your your motivational messages for the day and to also you know get access to your business services easiest way would be instagram evan underscore tinsman uh you could really type my name because i i have all variations of my name but it's evan underscore tinsman um could de- if anybody wants information on the struggle, the addiction, the overcome, please just send me a DM. I will email, I will call, I'll answer any questions. But Instagram would be the the Evan underscore Tinsman. My YouTube is just Evan Tinsman. My Facebook is just Evan Tinsman. But Instagram is really where I hang out the most. That's great. That's really, really great. Um, Evan, is there anything else you want to share um, with our listeners? If you're struggling, um, don't be afraid to reach out, have that conversation with yourself. Um, Just because you made some bad decisions doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, No matter where you're at, no matter how bad you might be hurting, no matter how alone you feel, um, you're not alone. A lot of us have been there and um, you can't overcome it. And same thing in business, there's always options. Uh, reach out to the people around you. You can look being online. You can talk to people all over the world. So hope, optimism, you know, unleash your greatness and um, just focus on the present moment. And, um, you know, this too shall pass. That's amazing. Amazing advice. Um, Russell, anything? Well, I'm just looking outside here in sunny, hot Atlanta. Cold, cold, (laughs) rainy and cloudy, Western Pennsylvania. (laughs) 
the, the only thing I'd like to say right now, if the sun's not shining where you're at, hopefully it's shining on the inside of you. Yeah. That's- you know what I tell my girls? The sun's always shining. It's just on the other there side of the clouds. Yeah. And um, Evan, just what you said, as far as just leaving that legacy for your girls, I think as parents, that is what we're here for. I think parenting is one of the greatest gifts you could ever be given um, from and the hardest job you'll ever have. And the hardest have. job you'll ever have because you are in charge of cultivating the minds and hearts of innocent people. And right. I think right. um, so if that's your biggest motivation, um, I think you're you're in alignment. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So this has been another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. We just finished speaking with Evan Tinsman uh, regarding addictions and getting the best out of life. Um, Stay tuned for your next episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. Thanks, Evan. Thank you very much. Have a great day.